Welcome to Bash U Live, everybody. Great to have you with us. Uh, I've been seeing guys on the chat board. Good morning, everybody. Uh, really cool show. Excited about this. Kyle Patrick's going to be with us in just a minute. Uh, uh, he's one of the elite or one of the rookies on the elite tour. One of the nine guys. And or and they just tore it up. It was it was amazing to see how well they all did on Toledo Ben. And uh, he's going to take a minute out of his practice. He's out on Lake Fork right now, and uh, he's going to come and talk to us. So uh, really excited. Appreciate it. Appreciate him being here to do that. Uh, like always, like and share the feed on social. We got a prize for you. Pay attention. Uh, we're going to be giving away a grand prize at the end. Uh, we have some TH Marine products. Uh, and a variety of other things that we're going to be giving away, including probably some Cross Cities, uh, one, another Derby, the the top-selling lure in the world right now. J Jacob Wheeler wins again on Santee Cooper uh, with, uh, with the freeloader. Um, so we got some cool stuff to give away. We're going to have some fun. So, um, guy, Rich, Justin, where are you guys at? We are down on the banks of Lake Fork right now, so it's actually going to be Tackle Direct Remote Studios today That's for the right. live show. We are uh, we're down here uh, on the banks of Lake Fork at the Fisherman's Cove Resort, and uh, we're excited to see another Bassmaster Elite Series event unfold. It's uh, shaping up like it should be a good one. Lake Fork doesn't disappoint. Uh, this is your first trip to Lake Fork, isn't it, Justin? Yeah, it is pretty. Uh, pretty cool lake. A lot of standing timber gets me excited to fish, but seems like I'm going to be watching guys catch big fish instead. But that's all right. I I have a feeling you'll your travel rod will find its way to the bank uh, from time to time. Yeah, you uh, know, you know it. It's it, hey, it's one of the storage fisheries on the planet. Put out more share lunkers than anyone. By the way, I'm, I got to send you uh, – I'm going to see if I can do it on their commercial break. Another share lunker was caught uh, at a Toledo Bend um, oh, okay. just just last night, uh, yeah. and I got an image of that. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'll make sure I get that to you guys. They just keep jacking those 13-pounders. But, uh, hey, we're, we know Kyle's practicing, uh, so we want to get him in on the show and let him get back to work. And um, but So let's go ahead and bring him in, Rich, and – Guys, you know, you know Kyle Patrick. He's he's the guy responsible for throwing a wrench at me on on social media. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> How are you doing, man? Did you had a great week last week? Yeah, no, I think you know everyone caught him really, really well. Um, it was cool to see a bunch of the rookies did really well, and um, it was yeah, it was an awesome week and a great way to start my you know elite series career. Man, I'm telling you, dude, that is – you can't start – I mean, you could start better, right? You could have made the cut. Uh, right. But you made the first cut. You just didn't – you missed the second cut. But, it, I mean, that's just a, a phenomenal uh, deal. Did you feel nerves? Did you feel pressure coming oh, into yeah. the tournament? Oh, yeah. Tons, man. I got to my first spot on day one, you know, running through the, the blast off with Dave Mercer, like, you know, uh yes. just it, the whole thing so surreal to me still so you know going 70 down the lake i'm just like oh my gosh man i'm about to start fishing in my first elite series event and i pulled in dude i, I had the shakes bad <laughs> and then i and then i caught my first fish and just settled in and um it was it was pretty neat it was pretty neat 
that's that's awesome it, it, it's a thrill of a lifetime man you earned it uh, yeah. you you really went through a, a tough gauntlet to get there yeah. and uh you know you started out your your practice where uh how did that go man like did were the nerves i guess the nerves might have been getting you there too i mean did you have a yeah practice, a bad practice how did that go yeah so the way everyone was catching a lot of the guys were catching them it's not conducive to a practice like that makes you feel, you know, um, excited about, about going out in the tournament and fishing because they were so spread out. Like there were a lot of big ones, you know, roaming and cruising throughout the timber and, you know, funneling into some coves like where Kiyoya caught them. But aside from a few select areas, um, they were roaming everywhere and they were big ones, right? Like four or five, six, clearly eight, nine pounders, but they, they are so scattered that practice it's, it, it gets, it gets a little confusing. Cause you know, you'll be on your trolling motor looking on forward facing sonar and you'll catch one like five pounder. Right. And then you'll go 500 yards without another bite, just mm. cruising without another bite. So, you know, that kind of got to me in practice a little bit. I'm like, man, I just, it's just scary because, you know, you're throwing light line in timber, um, big bass <laughs> on a little hook, right? So I was right. like, I just don't know if I can do this uh, in the tournament and, and feel like I can be successful. Um, but then I went to the bank for two days straight, and I did not see much. I found one little area, which later in the tournament, I ended up catching two four-and-a-halves on a speed worm. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. Um, but I mean, there was very little on the bank to be had it, from my experience. And I think it showed. Yeah, it, it, it sure did. Uh, you saw guys like they had the cameras on, um, on, uh, who did they have? Hackney. And, yep. uh, who was the other ca camera Hackney. guy? They had Hackney Christie. Christie. Um, yeah. Yep. yep. Hackney and Christie. And they just, they were just on a struggle bus. Like yeah. it was small fish after small fish so it, it, and i think the world watching was like really disappointed they wanted to see them jack the big ones you know yeah it's, it's interesting as it pertains to the shallow fishing because with with the with the advent of live scope and so many more guys fishing off the bank now it begs me to wonder like what would the results of this tournament look like if it was flip-flopped and like 60% or 70% of the field had gone to the bank and looked like, what's your feel on that, Kyle? Like, do you think like you, more stuff would have been found? It was simply just because such a small percentage of guys went to look up shallow or, or was it really just what was going on on the lake? I, I think it was a mix of both. Uh, but to your point, like I, I do think that it would, the weights would have been, I think if you if there was no forward facing sonar, right? None like no one can have it. I bet you it, that tournament would take maybe twenty pounds a day to win, maybe. And then you know to make the cut, what was it to make the cut? Like sixteen and a half, maybe seventeen. Yeah. yeah. I think to, to make the 16, cut, yeah. yeah, to make the cut, it would have probably been like thirteen and a half, um, right. fourteen maybe. And, there's just no – so, but to answer your question, I think it's what went on in that – like, what, what was going on on Toledo Bend at that specific time was not conducive to having the guys really catch them on the bank. 
I, I truly think they were super scattered. It's like that pre-spawn funk. Every you know, like the mm-hmm. pre-spawn funk where fish are cruising, right? I saw yep. a couple on the bank, and you would throw, you would make any movement, any cast, any splash of the water, and they were gone, right? So you have that going on on the bank, especially in practice. And then you know when you're when you're offshore, it's not like they were big schools grouped up on like the Indian Mounds area or any of those obvious you know places where like KVD one where you could you know wind a crankbait. That was not happening. So they were just roaming, and the easiest way to catch those is is live scope because you can't you can't effectively catch roaming largemouth without forward facing sonar. Period. There's no there's no if ands or buts right. Um, so I think the weights would have been really bad. Yeah, it's sure. It's sure. I, th- I agree with you, uh, especially after watching the, the super champions get up in the, ba- in the banks and, and just struggle mightily. But uh, when you, you saw one of the things that I was curious about watching this tournament is, man, it, like all the guys like in the top 20 or 30 were all wadded up in in that one arm and what what do you think do you have any do you have an idea of what was causing like we're the because there just seemed to be a better average size fish munching on the bait in that arm than anywhere else in the lake yeah yeah so housing and six mile were the two areas Mm -hmm. the two big creeks where everything got you know all the big bags came from pretty much yeah. The reason it, they're so good is because you have a big creek channel running down Toledo Bend, the middle of the lake. And those two creeks have – Housen has a creek channel and Six Mile has a creek channel. And those connect perfectly with the main creek channel in Toledo Bend. So they use it. It's just an easy highway to get mm-hmm. into those flats. Six Mile and Housen both have really expansive flats with timber, really good spawning pockets that those flats are leading to. So they have like that, you know, that minor creek channel, the housing creek channel, the Six Mile creek channel running through. And then off of that creek channel, there's you know nice spawning pockets and flats for them to just kind of ease up into for a pre-spawn deal um, and, and, of course, to get onto the bed. And that's where the majority of the fish, a large population of the fish are going is to get ready to spawn or to spawn. And it's just, we were just intercepting them. I mean, like Mm -hmm. I could watch each day fish were swimming in. Like if you zoom in, I'll show you where I started each, each day I started. Basically, if you scroll into housing there, that big one, that's the one, uh, the, the top one there, the top one. Yep. Yep. I started almost at, yep. Uh, yeah, so go out a little bit more, more main Lake. Oh yeah. Keep going out. Okay. So I started, if you put your mouse on it, like right there, a little bit further out. Wow. Right there. And yep. Right there. You got it. And then I would just follow all the way through and just look for roaming fish. And then you run into an area that had them maybe one or two every, like, you know, in a 500 yard stretch, you caught one, 
and then you went 250 yards and you caught another. And then, you know, I would get through and I'd get to a point where I felt like I could recycle and I would drive back out and start at the mouth. And it was, it's amazing how many fish you would see that pulled up to, to the area. They were swimming in from the main, the depths of Toledo Bend out in the middle. They were swimming in and you could watch them swim like into housing. That's amazing. It's like, you know, cause I'm as old as dirt and we would always, <laughs> we would always theorize that, you know what I mean? Like where yeah. are these fish coming from? Like they gotta be, you know, 90% of the fish gotta be offshore, but we could never target them. It was, you know, like finding a needle in the haystack right. kind of thing. And, and now, now you you guys are 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 showing it, man. It's like they they do they they live in the abyss most of the time. It's crazy, man. And and what so and what was so unique about Kiyoya's spot was it it on everyone knows where he was. I mean, it's very it's it's a community hole technically mm -hmm. because it's at the mouth of that. Um, what is it that bayou there? Um, wherever and there's a there's a big pocket and then at the entrance of the pocket there's a bunch of grass over to the left with some ditches right he was intercepting he the 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 biggest fish in that lake or in that area were staging right there in like a maybe a quarter mile long area and he was just doing the same thing everyone else was. Of course, he's unbelievable with his forward-facing sonar and the baits that he chooses and everything, but he could just stay there and circle. And fish were pulling up to him way faster than the fish were pulling up to everyone else. That's, in my opinion, that's why he was so successful because the fish were coming in quicker than the – We got you back. All right, we lost you. You probably got a call, uh, Kyle. That's usually what happens when we lose signal. I could see scrambling to do it. Um, we'll let it, we'll let him figure that out. But that's interesting, um, man. What an interesting concept that uh, the fish were coming quicker to him, and I get that. But hey, guys, I can't hear you. How about now, Kyle? There you go. You got it. The um yeah it happens now. we're used to we do this all the time Kyle you probably got a call right <laughs> Pete you there oh there you are yeah. I got you now sorry okay yeah what what well I so the genius of Koyo was him identifying that area right that they I were can't coming hear you get, I, Pete I can't hear you can you hear uh can you hear me Kyle yes. Okay. All right. Interesting. So we uh, we seem to have dropped uh, dropped Pete's audio there. Pete's gonna sign back out and come back in. Um, okay. Oh, looks like we got him back already. That was quick. Are you back, Pete? I can hear you. Yep, I got you. Okay. Got you. My question was: so the genius of Koyo was identifying the area where those the, those fish were coming in somehow. Somehow he figured out that this is where the big ones are going to filter in first. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think he, to be honest, I think that the lie 
they've turned. God, we lost your audio again. <laughs> it, it, oh, we've lost you, Kyle. We got you need to go back out and come back in. Yeah, I want to ask him. I got to ask him some more questions about what went down, but that's fascinating to find out. And I get that, you know, that's the brilliance of not, you know, Koyo is great. Uh, he's great. He's a great angler that can catch them as good as anybody with that technology. But the thing that, Oh, that, that separates everybody is you got to get yourself in the right area. Right. You know? And how is he able to so consistently get himself in, in the right area and, and score the big ones, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it, it, it actually, um, based on what Kyle was saying and watching uh, the live coverage, it looks like, from where Koyo was fishing was just a little bit further north of Housing Bay. That's what that's what I'm guessing, but I'll I'll wait for Kyle to uh, confirm that. Yeah, say it again. I, so I, was Koyo fishing just further north of Housing Bay than everybody else? No, if you pull up the map, he was fishing in Housing. Mm -hmm. To the right, there's a creek. The first creek on the right. He was out in that zone where the fish were staging. If you pull it up, um, there were a lot of guys there. I mean, it's not it's not like I'm giving away a secret here. I mean, this is a very right. this is a very known area. See, scroll in on that big creek in Housen. See it on the right, right as you enter Housen. I I remember I remember him and a bunch of other guys. Yep. So you keep scrolling in right there. He was. Yep. Now go back out towards the middle a little bit. <laughs> My laptop just dropped. Oh, that's okay. It, it, that he was outside of that. Um, you know, that uh, creek in housing, just outside of it, kind of just roaming around. So. If you saw that little bit of grass, that 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 clump of grass on the outside, on the left side, they, okay. he was basically outside of that, and sort of in the middle of the where that creek meets housing. Right, right. And the, the it's hard to explain without question. seeing it, but you, you know. Yeah, the hundred thousand dollar question is is Pete, how does how does he know to start there, right? And that that's what you were saying, Pete. That's the that's what separates like, well, you can know how to use a live scope, but you still gotta know where to put that live scope to work to find yeah. that biggest group of fish. Yeah, I mean and, and to piggyback off that, there's a lot a lot of uh uh you know, anger and and hostility towards live scope. And I think that a lot of it is based on, you know, not understanding, like, why, I think it's a lack of understanding, right? Like, people don't realize how hard it is to catch them on live scope. It's not, it's not, yes, we are catching fish that before did not factor in, right? And that bothers people because the 20, 30 years of experience guys have had is don't mess with those fish. Don't even bother. 
it's just opened up a bigger playing field. If anything, people should be happier because there's more, uh, the lakes have ter- have become to get you know there the lakes have opened up. There's way more fishable area now in these lakes than there ever was, right? Because yes. right, like you you look at Toledo Bend, and, and if we had a tournament, Toledo Bend would have shrunk by probably fifty percent. Mm-hmm. Live scope was not on our boats, and Fork would be the same. So there's there's a lot of positives to live scope, but I understand there are negatives. But you have to look at it. You have to look at the whole pie. People are just taking one slice of pizza when it's a whole dang pie. <laughs> yep, I love that. I, I that's a great perspective. And oh, that whole that ninety percent of the lake that we ignored and rode off is now fishable, and uh, you know you can spread out. You're not bumping in. The, everybody all the time there's there's a lot yeah. of great stuff there great question here from rich hunt because we saw this go down um and he wants to know because we some of these fish are hard to catch right it's not that easy right so what what's your strategy on once you see a, a blob that you're like oh i i want to get this one in my live well um how how committed are you to that fish before you move on I'm pretty committed. What's funny is I caught for every five bass I saw, I only caught one or two. If I was, if it was, if I presented it perfectly, they're very tricky to catch. Sometimes they're not, but in that particular tournament, I, I could have based on the fish that I saw threw at and chased my bait. I probably could have 25 pounds a day, if not more. Right. Um, the key is, especially with a Dominique is, you can manipulate that bait really well, especially with like the one eighth ounce heads and like the small, the lighter heads. It's similar to a Sanko, right? The Sanko is so effective because when it falls, it's shimmying and, and you, you throw it on top of the fish and he has to feed up. He has to look up and he, and he feeds up and eats it, right? It's the same with the Dimiki. It's just way more, um, it's, it's mimicking a bait fish really well. Um, the Demiki, I what I do is I throw it out, and it's okay to throw it past them. That gives you more of an error. You don't want to necessarily throw it right on top of their head. Sometimes it works, but I like to throw it past them. That just just in case I'm a little bit off, mm-hmm. throwing it throwing it past them is okay. And then I shake it, and if this is the blob, and say my fingernail is the fish's head here, my Demiki's falling, and I start working it behind him, and he doesn't even see it. And then I'm here, and then I'm here, and then I'm here. And once I get right in front of his head, I'm shaking it away, and it's a reaction bite a lot of the time, right? Mm-hmm. So you're, you're able to shake it, and, and he can't see it. And then, boom, he can see it, and he eats it right away. Instead of he wa- he's watching it fall in front of him, and, you know, he may or may not eat it, but the, the, the percentage of times that, you know, they're, they're going to eat it when you're working from behind them, is is higher than you know you throw it in front of them and they come down and and eat it as you're shaking it away i got you that's it that's interesting i I saw a lot of guys battling and it's hard i know i mean it's so hard to get that cast right you know right that's that's half the half the battle of this thing but let's talk about baits a little bit um what what's on your rig what we just saw the freeloader uh win on the MLF again, and uh, yeah. what what what's on your Demiki? So 
I switch heads. I liked, I really like the green fish tackle, um, bad little shad. Um, I throw a mix of baits, right? Like I, I do really like the spunk shad. I think it's a really, really good bait yep. um, for a Damiki. Um, I will throw, you know, the, the, um, the man said a jerk shad. I'll throw the Sakamata shad, but I mean, this isn't the one I was throwing, but I threw this in white. The... Oh, <laughs> every we time lost. you get a notification, it seems like you drop your audio. Try going back out and coming back in one more time. Yeah, this is, uh, of course, we, we saw the spunk shad, um, the, the missile baits when we filmed with Schmitty, but this is, this is a close up look at the freeloader. And yep. if you guys have never, these are pretty much sold out everywhere, but you can see it's got this little bulbous tail and it's amazing what happens when, when this bait moves even a little bit, you get this, you get this crazy persistent vibration from these from these types of baits sorry guys i keep getting phone calls and yep. uh it blows out the uh thing but yeah that's exactly yeah. you, you, you hit the nail on the head like it's the same with this um you know this bait it it has such a oh here we go it has such a slim tail that you you really don't even need to shake it that much i mean look what the wind's doing to it alone Yep. That, that's all just wind. So imagine the water, what it does to this when you shake it, and it's perfectly vertical. Um, th this is a really, really good bait, the Spunk Shad. Um, I also use it as a chatterbait trailer, too. It, I think mm -hmm. it's a really good chatterbait trailer. I've actually got it on right now. Um, I was throwing it with the black and blue chatter here. There you go. <laughs> so it's a pretty, it's a pretty unique, unique bait, and um, I think another thing to factor in when you're, when you're, uh, throwing, throwing a Damiki is the, and that's why the scented jerk shot's so good is it's buoyancy because you really need that bait. The key with Toledo, those fish was you kind of had to keep it. You almost sometimes had to dead stick it above their head and it's hard because you have an eighth ounce weight but that plastic offsets it and the wind and the line the drag that the line creates in the water it offsets that bait so you can actually kind of dead stick it if that's if you feel like that's what they need to eat the bait and you can read that fish on your live and say okay how is he you know reacting you saw robert gee on live i mean he was just so barely reeling that bait over that mm -hmm. fish and it took, you know, a minute or longer before that fish actually committed and, and got it. That's it's so interesting. Uh, we we filmed a tutorial with Brian Schmidt and uh, using the spunk shed, and he would vary his retrieves between that, basically that ultra slow, dead yep. do nothing retrieve, and then the shake method where you're you're trying to make it dance a little bit more. Uh, yeah. It, it, that that tail, those tails are so sensitive that that slow retrieve, man, that's a that's a trigger. It's deadly, yeah. I mean, it's like I said, it's similar to 
um, you know, I, a really cool catch that I always think about is when Ike bit the that Sanko down to literally just nothing yes. and, and threw it out there and got that fish to bite. Because your bait doesn't – everyone, especially new people in, in fishing, everyone thinks, oh, the action, like I need a ton of like, you know, crazy vibration and action. When in reality, a lot of the times it's, it's super, it's, you don't need any action. You don't want Mm -hmm. anything. And and so that's, that's a, it's the same thing with that same concept with, with reeling it and having almost no action and like, you know, making a Sanko this big. So all it does is just basically sit on the bottom or fall perfectly, you know, without any crazy movement. That now, what do you know about like the one I, I got a big gripe with, with Koyo, uh, and I don't know if I'm saying it right, but man, he's hiding his baits. He's he's hiding it from the camera. He puts that puts the cover over his screen so we can't see what he's doing. Um, come on, man, step it up. I know. But I heard I heard uh, I heard the guys talk about the bait that he uses. Um, it's kind of, well, I don't, it's not common knowledge, but the, the guys in the know, know what the baits are that he's using. Do you know what bait he's using? Yeah, I think he's using, he's using two or three. I think he's using a depth. He's using a jackal bait. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe if I'm not mistaken, it's the, uh, it's so hard to get that it's, it's sort of like. Uh, it, it, what it looked like was the, the fry there, the jackal drift fry, I want to say, I think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Then the Sakamata shot. I mean, there's, it's all just minnow baits. Like, yeah. Yep. The Sakamata shot, that rings a bell. That's what I thought I heard. I heard them say, um, but, yep. and you know what else was he, interesting he, that, that he did. And I want to know what you're doing is they've um, kind of zeroed in that he's using a 16-pound test leader and about a, a two-foot in length, like a, a really, really short leader. Um, is, is, that, is, is that how you – He jacks his fish. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he's he does. Really. He's like um, – yeah, no, I, I use 12-pound online. Uh you know, as a leader and, and their braid, uh, the 15 pound braid. I, I don't, I don't feel like I need to jack them so hard. Um, a lot of the times I'm just, you know, and then I just slowly reel into it. Right. Um, maybe his scenario is different. I, I guess if it works, that that's not a bad way to, 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 you know, land that fish. The only issue I have with it is, is, you know, if that 16 pound would deter the fish from biting and, or the hook that he's using, I would worry about bending it out in certain scenarios. Like maybe he's using such a stout hook that it doesn't matter, but the hooks that I'm using, I need, I I still have to play that fish a little bit. Like I caught a six and a half pounder on day one. I mean, and this is actually a really cool catch, Pete. Like I was shaking the Demiki, shaking it, shaking it. And I got caught up in the top of a tree, like that it was this far underneath the water. And I went, Oh no. Cause I knew the fish was behind it. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, I was caught in it and I started a trolling motor over to get it out. And all of a sudden <laughs> the fish ate it right off the top of the tree. It fixed it. Yes. It was super <laughs> cool. It was, it was, that was really neat. 
Oh man, that's that that happens so infrequent. That's so cool that yeah. that happened. What we didn't see, and I thought we would see, is mm-hmm. a disaster in the timber. Like, oh my gosh! Like, I you can see the timber all over. Did did you get hung up in it at all ever as you were fishing? Honestly, no. It what's it? It's weird. Like, especially on live scope, like you can see so much timber, but a lot of timber is is really small so you know i i just it's it it, it is weird i can't even describe it i never once got hung up so i i don't know how that's possible but it has it must have to do with you know a lot of times these fish are are jumping and then you know they're kind of they didn't really fight as hard as i had thought they would so that might have been it like once you got them and they did that initial jump and they digged a little bit under the boat you were you were grabbing them um you know i think if you're fishing in that timber with smallmouth, it was over over absolutely over have you noticed the difference between how fish fight like the ones that are you know that you're catching out there in suspended water or you know like forward-facing sonar fishing do those fish fight you know, harder or less than say a fish where you set the hook on a fish that's sitting on a piece of timber on the bank, like on a laydown, and you hit that fish on a jig. Like, yeah, are they just as angry, or are they kind of more mellow because they are out there in the middle of the lake and they are essentially, you know, they're dealing with some some level of current all the time. Yeah, I think I think that's an interesting point that I I haven't really thought about. I. I Based on Toledo, I would say that the fish out there were they fought less than 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 I think like if you pitch the jig into a laydown and and you know mm. caught a five pounder that fish is gonna you know you're gonna be like I mean you saw like here um, you know that what was it was it Brandon Card no yeah got that eleven yeah like that thing is like and I feel like when when I, if I were to catch like an eight, nine, 10 pounder offshore on a jig, um, you know, that I see, I, I feel like it's a little bit more taken off guard. It, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like offshore fishing in general, forget live scope. Those fish are fighting a little less hard than like one that's up on the bank and, and, you know, you jack it. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know. That's just, yeah, I, I hear you. It's just, it, it was interesting when you said that they, you know, no, that, that you didn't have any fish get caught up in the timber. My head went two places. I, it went to, it, it, my head went to two places. It went to that. Okay. Is, are the fish not fighting as hard or right. is the timber at Toledo getting to be to the age where it just isn't, it's become a non factor. Like, like when you get caught up in those branches, they just break off. Like, are they starting to decay to the point that, you know, yeah. uh, that they don't, that they don't carry up as much. Yeah, no, I mean that's that is interesting. Um, I I don't know the answer, but I think it's a it's. I'll have to now that you say that. I'll have to uh, I'll have to like really hone in on like if I catch one demeaning out here, if it bites. Yeah. We, we well and and we and we, you have to drop the aqua view down on those trees and yeah. see what the status of those branches are are 
That'll tell you. Are they all rounded off? Is that why we're not hanging up in them these days? That actually, that actually could be it. A lot of it is dead straight, standing mm-hmm. straight up. They don't have a ton of you know branches coming off them, right? So when you set the hook, a lot of the times, like it's the way that that you're fighting it, it's not really conducive to get hung up unless there was something sideways or you know at an angle, as opposed mm-hmm. to like straight up and down. Right, right. How how comfortable did you get running the boat lanes on Toledo? Was that was that a like a, a learning curve for you at first or? Yeah, I mean, after the open there, I kind of knew where I could run. You know, here this is sketchier. <laughs> yeah, um, there is a lot of dangerous uh, timber out here, like without a doubt. I know um, when when we were when we were talking to you before the show, you it looked like you hit a stump and almost yep. fell in. You know, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's treacherous. It is treacherous, man. It's pretty dangerous. You got to be careful where you run here, without a doubt. What I want to ask you this back to Toledo for one uh question there is the suspended fish. Like, I noticed some of the guys did find some fish on the bottom, but most of the footage that we were watching on live was fish that were suspended above the bait or very, very high in the water column. Mm. Uh, and what, what's the strategy there? Are those fish just the the ones you want to target? Are they easiest to see and catch? What's yep. the deal there? For me, easier to catch, way easier to catch. When they're high in the water column, I feel like they're more on the hunt. When they're low in the water column, I feel like they're moving. They're, they're more moving and, mm. and less easy to catch. Now, that's what was so unique, in my opinion, about Kiyoya. I think he was targeting the ones on the bottom, like like hugging the bottom, and he's able to. He's so good at seeing those fish that are that are hugged on the bottom. Right. That that, that was his advantage, um, and from what I noticed, uh, you know, the the ones that were suspended a lot of times weren't the six plus class. The six plus class were a little bit lower, like you know, tw- if, if you were over sixty feet of water. They were down 20, 30, you know, 40, um, super deep. Yeah, I got you. That's, that's fascinating, man. What a, what a great response to that. And uh, it, it's interesting. I, I, I want to uh, uh, give myself a shout out. I picked you on my fantasy team. And I really, <laughs> I really appreciate you crushing them last week. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no problem. Uh, it's funny. Yeah, yeah. I actually in practice because it was so spotty right like i was mm-hmm. reason i told my buddy i'm like dude don't pick me um so i kind of i kind of <laughs> feel bad well, that i told him not to pick me and then caught him well i i tell you the the reason why i picked you and um is because when we interviewed you on on bass live we talked about how you practiced for your events and how you you know you you you, you were working you didn't have a massive amount of hours on these bodies of water and and that resonated with me. I'm like, he's going to be okay with a short practice. I don't know if everybody's going to be okay with it. And right. uh, and and I saw you in that bucket. I'm like, nah. He's he's got you know the the mental edge. I felt like you had, and the ability to find fish in a short period of time was uh, was something really cool. And of course, the forward facing stuff. So anyway. Well done. Thanks, Pete. Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate it. <laughs> I hope I can keep it up. 
Well, we, we look forward to it and people don't know. We really, we, we we're excited to have you on uh, a, a lot as we go through the year. We want to follow your rookie season, man. We're really, we're really excited to have you as a regular part of Bass University this year. Yeah, yeah, really excited to be here and try to help people catch more fish and maybe, you know, teach them a little bit about, you know, forward facing and that it's not the devil. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. It is not it is not the devil. Let me let um, just everybody listening at home. Are, are we picking you on this week's fantasy team? Uh, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> I may not catch him, but I really, so far, I like Fork. That's awesome. What What's yeah. your prediction on a winning weight on Lake Fork this week? 116 pounds. Holy smokes. Golly. I, I, I've been pretty accurate with my weight. I, everyone was blowing up Toledo saying there'd be four bags over 100. I said 97 would would or was wow. 97 it was something i never said the century club would have been broken now looking back on it right like i would it was broken but barely so i it wasn't as good as everyone was talking about it being um you know what i mean so mm-hmm. i i do truly feel like there will be three people to break the century century belt on this lake wow that's bold prediction, man. It's a well, like it's a storied reservoir, right? It it has more share lunker, uh, you know, in the share lunkers in the top ten or top twenty all time, uh, yeah. have come out of fork. So it's uh, I, we're I'm excited about it. Can't wait to see the show. And uh, man, I I feel guilty for keeping you this long, Kyle, because I know you're practicing out there, and I want to let you get back to it. But um, man, I, I really appreciate. It. Thanks so much for for joining yes. us and giving us some tremendous insight on uh, yeah. Ford facing and Toledo Bend. Of course, guys. It's awesome. It's always great to be on Bass U. I love it. Keep the wrenches away from me, please. And, uh, <laughs> okay. I'll try. <laughs> All right. Good luck this week, buddy. Thanks, guys. Talk to you guys. All right. We'll see, see you. Bye. What a deal, man. Uh, what What's great insight. I mean, as much as we learned watching the live, I feel like I'm even more dialed now uh, after talking with Kyle and, you know, the insight on the baits and, and how suspended fish versus bottom fish. Koyo being skilled at identifying fish off the bottom as uh, one, one of the, you know, key little subtle extra pieces, you know, that's yep. good stuff. Well, uh, let's take a quick commercial break, guys. We're going to give away some prizes. Uh, like and share the feed over on social. I know JH is working on a trivia question, which we're going to roll out here real soon, uh, as soon as we get back from the commercial. So we'll be right back after this. Welcome to Minnow King. How can I help you? Everything looks good. I'm friggin' starving, man. Been spawning all morning. Ugh, TMI, bro. What do you want? I'll take a Crush City Freeloader and Gizzard Shad. Anything to drink? Water. Pull ahead, please. Okay. We're going to have what he's had. Yeah, throw me in a Ned BLT, too. Pull ahead, please. Calm down. Quit feeding so much. Oh, yeah, man, I'm trying to, man. If, he, if, he if you him. overfeed him, he's going to hide under a log. Right here, 
Aquaview, um, mandatory equipment in my boat. I say it all the time. The smallmouths hide in the cracks in the rocks. And uh, just saw a little bit of the same kind of rock with the cracks in it. And I realized that I had to put a bait down there. You wouldn't, you know, idle over them and, and see them on your screen. You had to put a bait down there and suck them out of the rock. So Aquaview, big assist on this one. Why do you love catching fishing rods? I'm truly losing less fish. Is the sensitivity of the rod. That's are made right here in North Carolina in the USA. Strongest, lightest rod, 100% made here in Sanford, North Carolina. From the drop shot rod to the flipping stick. Every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out there in a tournament. Durability in the John Cruz Worming Series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod I've found that can withstand my hooks up. Boom, goes the dynamite. On the water, not spent fishing is a moment wasted. That's why Minkota and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network. Products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together. The One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, they can navigate your boat automatically. They can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. We're never done innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. All so you can make every second on the water count. Well, man, I see a question here, uh, Jeffrey. What a great question. And uh, I, I didn't, we didn't get to ask it to Kyle. And uh, I want to ask it to our next forward-facing specialist. But it's, it's com not common knowledge, but the pe people struggle to use this in the wind. Like uh, when the transducers are, are bobbing up and down in the waves and the readouts you get, even if your transducers are able to stay wet, you're mm -hmm. getting some distortion there. Uh, what are some what are some keys to uh, to being successful uh, with forward facing in the wind? We're going to get to that. We're going to get uh, an expert better than us, Jeffrey, to uh, to to answer that question. But um, you know, I know one of the keys is keeping your transducers low and uh, and trying to keep that keep that prop in the water as best you can. And I do see uh, I, I saw this repeatedly on Toledo Bend where guys were they were digging for protected areas, you know, where, where the waves were less, even though it might not have been their best area, they could use their live scope more effectively in the calmer conditions. So, uh, um, great question though. Appreciate that one. And, uh, so we got a, man, we got a lot going on, Riz, when we're traveling around Bass University is rocking and rolling. And we are speaking of forward facing sonar, we have a monster release coming this week. We sure do, Pete. Uh, we are releasing on Thursday uh, Ben Milliken's forward-facing sonar techniques for catching the biggest bass in your lake. Um, this is a can't miss that uh, you're definitely going to want to tune into. Um, I mean, it's a it's an absolute masterclass on forward-facing sonar fishing and targeting really, really big fish and everything in between. Um, yeah, that's coming out on Thursday. Uh, you, you know, set your 
set your calendar, set your timer, set whatever you need to set. You don't want to miss that when you're going to get notifications from us um, about that. So, yeah, definitely check that out. Ben went out and, you know, lit it up. <laughs> There's no other way to describe it, but but just he crushed it up for a for a rookie first first elite series event. He, you know, had a top five finish. So no better time. Let's get Ben Milliken forward facing sonar techniques out there. And then uh, also this week uh, in the on the water world, we are releasing none other than Pete the Dean Gluzak. How about Who? it? And uh, who's that guy? Uh, we're we're taking it. We're taking a step into the not not back, but we're taking a step into the basics again and uh, going over some of the some of the fundamentals, some of the uh, some of the things you need to know for bass fishing. That honestly, it gets overlooked. It really and truly does. I mean, I think we can all agree that we've gotten in the boat with somebody before, and you say, "Hey, where's your scissors?" And they say, oh, "I don't know. I just got pliers." Well, that's a problem. If those pliers don't have the right kind of cutters and you need to cut 50-pound braid because you want to change the color of your frog. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or if you get in somebody's boat and they don't have the right kind of pliers and you have a fish that has treble hooks way down in the goozle. Again, that's not going to be a good situation. So this week on the On the Water category, Pete is releasing the tools that you need to get out and, and have a day on the water, whether that's fishing from a boat, fishing from the bank, it's the five tools that you need to have to make sure that you're equipped for a day on the water. And they go from scissors to multiple kinds of pliers to cutters to uh, a few others in between. So check that out. Um, that's going to be released on uh, Wednesday this week. Um, so, yeah, got all kinds of stuff coming your way. By the way, uh, the, most of the tools that I talk about are you guys that are members of the Rappel a VIP program. Go check it out because I there's no doubt Rappel makes the best scissors that are available, and um, you you need to go get them because they're just they're such a powerful little tool, and it makes a day on the water just so much easier. And you can take your take advantage of your VIP discount. So go check that out. I see Dan Allen's coming down to Lake Fork. You better come come by and see us at the Bash U booth, Dan. I hope I hope we see you there. And all you guys, anybody that's going to be in the Lake Fork area, Justin and Rich are going to be there uh, yep. for Bass University. We've got some really cool stuff going on at Bass University uh, on site. So make sure you come by and see the guys under the Bass University tent. If we can get them there, I'm not sure we can with the uh, draw of Lake Fork and Giant Bass right there next to them. We're hoping we, we're, I'm hoping I can get you guys to show up to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm watching John Cox run around our creek right now and all these other guys. And it's I'm like, man, come on. That's awesome. But, uh, it, is, it is so amazing. And, and you know, John Cox, they were uh, I was watching on live. And of course, and I watched the, the Chris Saldane uh, piece that he did all on the forward facing sonar and how guys are rigged. And John Cox is the only guy without a forward-facing uh, unit on his boat uh, fishing the elites, which was not not so surprising, but still is. You know what I mean? Like, I got to feel like even if I was going to go shallow, dirt shallow, I'd still, I'd still probably have that technology available to me if I needed it, you know? But 
we also saw, uh, I was watching Zaldane. You guys got to go check it, that his YouTube out on it where he goes through all the, the elite guys' boats and who has the most forward-facing um, technology on there. Now, I, I didn't get to see it all. I saw most of it. And when I got done watching, our own Brian Schmidt uh, was, he had the most transducers and the most units. Uh, four 12-inch units on its console. I mean, that's that's crazy amount of technology, you know? All in. All in. How about you, Justin? Now, a little intimidating. You haven't got your boat yet. How? I mean, how are you going to plan for $50,000 worth of sonar? I'm not. I'm not. I'm, it made That video made me depressed. I don't even want to talk about it, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> it is. I, I And I, I want to tell people that are getting involved in this, man, it, most of the guys like that I've talked to at our elites this year are just using one transducer you know they're experimenting with some back at the the stern um but they they've all cut their teeth with just one transducer on the trolling motor keeping it simple you know focusing on you know just being able to identify the fish make them bite all the other stuff uh they're they're kind of they're kind of writing off but uh i don't know i i kind of like that simplistic approach myself you know that's one of the things about having so much technology is you, you have so much room for error. If something breaks down, you know what I mean? Your wiring harness can get, get corrupted, uh, interference problems. There's, there's so much that you can, can, that you have to contend with when, uh, you're doing so much. And now you've got the new screens, like, uh, those big giant, what, what's the brand? The NBT. NBT amazing screens that that uh cut down on sun glare and have better resolution uh and they're giant big giant screens um what you yeah you've got a you've got to become a an electrician expert i think to be successful out on the water with all that stuff justin keep it simple get yourself one unit one transducer you're good that's That's all you need yep yep well, let's uh, the the trivia question. I'm gonna put in uh, the Bass University uh, chat right now, so that'll be in there, and we'll hit our like and share winner real quick. Uh, uh, Kevin Lamons, I believe that's L L A M M O N S. Kevin, uh, you win like and share. So send an email to the dean's office at thebassuniversity.com, and. Uh, for both of these, we're giving away a TH Marine prize pack. So, pretty cool stuff. Awesome, awesome stuff. The is the question out there yet? Yep, it's out there. Uh, what, let's, what's the question? It was, what was the name of the creek on Toledo where Kyle caught his fish? Oh man, I even knew the answer to that question. Well, okay, I guess. Rich, are you looking at it? I always let you make the final call on who wins. So nobody yeah, gets I got it as Mr. Higgs coming in first. Mr. Higgs. All right, cool. Mr. Higgs. Awesome. Mr. Congratulations. Housing. That's uh it was I don't I think I had it right. It was housing, right? Yep. Housing and six mile, yep. Mm-hmm. 
Here's some of the things we talked about on the show, guys. Make sure to take advantage of it. Rapala VIP program. Uh, we talked about missile baits. Uh, Kyle was using 30% off missile baits. Aquaview, uh, 30% off on Aquaview. Go check that out. Use your discounts there. And I uh, want to invite you guys to go check out Cortland braided line. I mean, I am thrilled with its functionality on spinning gear. Uh, it's 10 and 15 pound test. High viz. Um, I promise you, it's 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 really game changing line. I love it a lot. I uh, think you guys are going to love it too. So go check it out uh, from Cortland Line, one of the uh, oldest and um, you know most effective line companies on the planet. Uh, been been making lines for almost a hundred years, maybe more. But um, anyway, guys, uh, look for us next week on uh, a Bash University Live. We'll be. Uh, recouping what happened at lake fort i want to thank kyle patrick so much for taking some yeah. time to practice and and uh and coming on the live show and uh it's uh it's going to be a great week another great week of live i, I also want to give i i already you know talked about jacob wheeler winning on crush city um the freeloader but congratulations to jacob wheeler for winning again uh just incredible um, did you guys have a chance to, to dial in on any of that? It was, it was, it was cool. Cause it was a shallow water cypress tree kind of tournament. And, and Jacob Wheeler went offshore with this guy right here and, uh, and won the tournament fishing, uh, I think mainly brush piles, uh, with the freeloader, but, and on an incredibly stingy Santee Cooper. I mean, I think it, it took like 14 pounds or, or something, uh, was the high weight on the final day there, something like that. It was uh, in incredibly stingy, wow. but cool that stuff. Bait, that bait's cash and checks, that's for sure. It's crazy. And crazy. how about uh, what you were going to say, Justin? I was just saying it's crazy how, I mean, that bait essentially has three pro-level wins already between Connell Wheeler and Wheeler won with that before it was released yep. on Gunnersville. So it's, it, I know I'm, I'm promoting it and bragging about it, but I don't think you can get it right now. No, uh, the word is that they might not be available for uh, a long time after that win there. Well, I, I will say this, they are, they're pushing their factories and trying to get them, you know, trying to get them back on the shelves for everybody. How about the David Dudley catch, Justin? Awesome. Awesome. The Dudster, man. The about it. He called his shot on that stump. That was that's what I like to see right there. That was awesome stuff from Dudley. If you guys didn't see that, you got to go over and check out the MLF. Uh, I guess going to be a rebroad or a, a clip of that somewhere. But Dudley's giant fish. It was a nine pounder, and he did. He called his shot. He had just a few minutes left, and uh, and busted a nine pounder and got himself in the in the gut. And the emotion, I feel like we don't see that emotion anymore on fish catches when, uh, you know, when guys are already seeing the fish with, with forward facing, they know I it's about to come. And that's one of the things I miss the most. Dudley right there, he called his shot, but the emotion that ran through him there was, that's what it's all about. That is, that's an interesting perspective because you're, uh, you're right. Like a, a lot of the times you see the blob and you can tell by the size of it, uh, as you train your eyes, you like, oh, I know this is a good one. So, you know, uh, what to expect, but 
uh, it's a little bit more, uh, yeah, shocking when you don't know, you know. That was a great catch. That was awesome. But it was still awesome watching them guys. I mean, my gosh, you know, crank, you know, jacking those eight pounders um, off of off of forward facing and, you know, seeing those giant bags come in, man. It was uh, it was spectacular. And it was crazy how uh, how this tournament uh, wound up. That was Pat Slopper, right? Or who was – he had a six-pound lead going in to the event. And, you know, you, this is another, you know, flies in the face of what people think, right? It's so easy. You just go out there and do it, and everybody can do it, but it's not. It's super It's super challenging. And, uh, and as evidenced by the fact that Koyo was able to come from a, a six-pound deficit and – win that derby patrick walters like oh my gosh 230 only got like coy only got like seven bites on the final day That's, is, that, uh, is that true yeah he, he didn't have his limit until what was it justin probably n- noon one o'clock afternoon yeah he sat, he sat on four for 19 for quite some time he caught his fifth which was a six pounder got to 25 and then Caught maybe two more after that, but they were both bigs. They're, they were like a six and seven. That's interesting that you say that because I noticed I, uh, um, an important, I think, an important observation on day three when he didn't catch them and he did not abandon his strategy in any way, shape, or form. And he kept. He kept at it. He, you saw other guys, um, you know, go through two hours without a bite, three hours without a bite, start making adjustments on the bank. You know, we saw a few guys get up shallow, start sight fishing, looking around, uh, trying to trying to make something happen. But uh, he didn't. He he grinded and grinded and wound up catching a six pounder late in the day. Mm-hmm. Got Stuck his guns. Stuck with his guns, got enough weight to keep them within striking distance. Yep. And uh, and I wonder, you know, I'd love to interview him sometime about that because when once he made the cut, it seemed like, like you said, he just only got seven bites. So I, I would, my question would be, you know, like you're only throwing at the Giants, you know, you're just, you're, you're, you're putting, you know, in order to win. You just got to spend your time around the giant. I don't know. I'd like to hear the yeah. answer to that I question. I don't know, but, yeah, it's uh, – man, that would be – I don't know. I'm a, that's an interesting uh, observation, BD. Maybe that's all he's doing. He's, he's not throwing at fish that he knows are under, you know, four, three pounds, four pounds. That would yep. be – yeah, that would, that would show a lot of confidence in his abilities to be able to – pick those bigger ones off and all that. Well, one thing I, you were talking about his baits earlier, Pete, and they did Bassmaster did post a picture of his baits and mm. one of his, the Miki baits has a little bill on it. And it's, it's pretty interesting. I'm going to pull it up. Yeah. We'll have Rich pull it up. It's, uh, it's almost, it's a regular Miki rig with a little, you know, freeloaders type bait, but that soft plastic has a built in little soft plastic bill on it. Hmm. It's uh yeah, there it is. Look at that little sucker. Huh. Mm-hmm. 
what does that what does that do? You know, I wonder. I think I think what I mean, looking at it and, you know, not not ever throwing it is when you get that bait down to depth, when you when you move your rod, a, a standard bait is going to have a tendency to rise. And uh, with a bill like that, it's going to help you. Uh, yeah. Keep it straight. Keep it down for maybe just a moment longer. Uh, a few seconds longer keep it keep it in that fish's grill i i i'm guessing i don't think it's i don't think that bill is designed for action um i I, my guess would be it's designed to keep it in the fish's strike zone for longer yeah you might be right on that yeah Hmm. interesting yeah it's interesting and he's got something figured out man i mean he's you know heavier line all that you know, I mean, another thing to think about with that heavier line, he might not even be using that for just straight, you know, strength from his line. He might be using it for, you know, rate of fall to, you know. I think that thing. I think um, I think you once again, we're talking about ability to hover. Right. So the more the longer your fluorocarbon leader. Oh, we lost. Well, we lost. lost, we, lost but, there uh, we got him right back. <laughs> Can you guys hear me? Okay. Yep. Yep. You're yep. Good. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking the because I noticed this with a long floor leader, uh, a long, a, a lengthy floor leader when I'm smallmouth fishing. I like it because it keeps the bait down. Um, and now in this instance, you want to suspend the bait for longer. So using, He's using a very short leader and a lot of braid, braid which floats, uh, you know, so he's adding he's adding buoyancy, a lot more buoyancy, a lot less draw, you know, sinking capabilities on that. Um, there's well, obviously, there's a lot there's a lot of science to it. And he's in the he's at the cutting edge of all this stuff right now uh, coming off this win, two elite wins in a row. One of the things or in back to back years. One of the things that um, I noticed that he missed a couple really big, looked like big ones, and we we haven't seen that from him. Uh, but he on on his hook set, he had a few like I don't know if they were breakoffs. They looked like they pulled off, or you know just somehow became unpinned. But we saw we saw a couple losses. That's yeah. the interesting thing about this technique and its rigging is you don't see a lot of lost fish. I mean, it doesn't happen that much. You, you know, every everything kind of stays pretty pinned with that, you know, little bitty plastic and an exposed hook. Your your strike to catch is pretty high. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> well, I, I'm Mr. H- I want to give a little shout out, Mr. Higgs, Tuck, Diehard Anglers, Kevin, uh, Dan Allen, of course, uh, Howie. Good to have you with us and all everybody else watching the show today, man. Uh, I see Blake and Bailey D and uh, Rich Hunt. Great to have you guys. Great questions. Great uh, input for the show. We're uh, we're looking forward to next week. Uh, we're going to see you guys again. What are you guys are coming home on Monday? Monday night. Monday night we'll be home. Okay. Are you going to Are you going to fish Monday morning? 
no, I mean, I think we just have a full day of airline travel. We have we're we got to leave Monday morning, but we have a layover. I got you. I got you. you got you guys got to start planning a, a day to fish these these classic bodies of water uh, before you come home. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, we were we were kicking it around, but it's uh it's going to be blowing twenty five to thirty tomorrow. So we're uh, we had, we didn't talk about that much on this uh, on this podcast for this for this upcoming event. There's a major weather change happening as we speak, and uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it was it was 87 degrees yesterday when uh, when when the sun was at its highest and it was the warmest in the afternoon. Tomorrow the high is 57. Wow! So. Just to well, put, put, put things in perspective. There's definitely going to be some stuff moving around and shaking around. Uh, yeah. See how it unfolds. The wind's blowing out here. That's for sure. It's starting to pick up and a lot of. Hear. Yeah, that's why I've been muting my mic and everything. But yeah. before we roll out of here, let's hit the sub of the week that we got here. And uh, shout out to Stefan Sorochman, rocking the he's always rocking cashew hat. Um, shout out to Stefan. Good Shout out to Red Point. Yep. Red Point guy right there. Let's go. That's right. Looking looking good, man. That looks like a picture from last year. Yeah, it is. Nobody wants to send me any pictures, apparently. So I'm I the sub of the week might just be it might just end up being me for the rest of the year. <laughs> All the pictures well, of me wearing Bashu hat. I couldn't send you. There was a, the the new share longer, so I'm going to send you that image. We'll put so you can put it up on social. Yeah. Well, Pete, um, here's. I don't know if you saw this, but so we all know we were at Lake Athens for for our seminars there, packed house. We tried to get out on Athens for the Bashu meetup. Weather, you know, said screw you guys. But a week or two after, somebody called what a 13 pounder on Athens. They sure did. did. Did you see that it got revoked? No. Yeah, the guy's fishing license expired like two days before he caught that fish, and they took away they took away his share longer. Brutal. Yeah. Uh, Tom Lang said, "No, sir." Wow. That's a shame. It's a shame that you know accidents like that happen. You know what I mean? But yep. It uh, good on that guy for owning up to it, and I'm sure he's got his fishing license and he's gonna go catch another. Man, oh, that's a bummer. Uh, you know, what what a what a weird outcome to that. You know, I thought I'd give you the update ups- on that. I was a little upset that that fish was caught. You know, yeah. after we all f- tried to fish out there, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, we we were unsuccessful at getting anything over three pounds. But uh, yeah, it like, but it's encouraging for next year that there's thirteen pounders living out in Lake Athens, so we got to go get it done. Right. Mr. Higgs wants to know where to send the pictures, Justin. Send them. Send uh, any of your fish catch pictures. If you're rocking a BU hat or a shirt, send them on direct message, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. I'll see it, and we'll, it'll be the next sub of the week. Sub of the week. Guys, thank you so much. I appreciate you guys putting the show on the road. And I uh, want to thank Kyle Patrick. What, a, what an awesome guest he was, and appreciate him calling in during his practice round. And we'll yep. be rooting for him this week out on Lake Fork, looking for a hundred. He's calling 115 pounds. Unreal. Unreal. I think it's, it's the place it could happen. So yep. thanks for watching, everybody. And we will see you next week here on Bash University Live. Welcome to Minnow